The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. So coming up right now, as the Day of Reconciliation comes to a close, we'll look at the impact of the decision taken, t- taken reconciliation as a value and form it as a basis of building a new society. Now, you have many young people who argue that we actually traded reconciliation and freedom in the short term in the hopes of long-term justice and unfortunately almost three decades later we are starting to see that there is no justice there is a collective trauma and reproductive violence that we have not actually addressed as a nation and while reconciliation helped us to usher in a new reality there is still unfinished business when it comes to some decisions that were taken with regards to the TRC's methodology on amnesty, the failure to prosecute sexual assault and reparations. And in this conversation, I would like us to focus on the second part of this methodology and the unintended consequences of this decision impacts the position of women and children in South Africa today, particularly as we've just wrapped up the 16 days of activism. And uh, to talk to us about this, we are joined by Lebo Ramafuku. She is a director of Dekano. She's gender and GBV activist. And you must, we might also um, remember her from the work that she's done with the Seoul City Institute. Aus Lebo, such a pleasure to speak to you this evening. Good evening. It's- Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. Yes. So the apartheid system, while clearly advantaging all white whites, um, sustained a hierarchy of privilege among the, the oppressed as well. And and black women were definitely the bottom of the barrel. And somehow we still are. Let's just talk about the lived experiences of, of women during apartheid. Also factoring in the experiences of women in those camps, women that were were involved in the struggle. Thank you. So you you are right in the pecking order around races, but uh, we have not paid attention on the gendered as- aspects mm. of the experience um, of um, apartheid on women. Yes. So the first one that we all know about is the fact that women were left in the rural areas. Uh, to basically tend for the home and uh, to be left with children, to bring up children. And you can see that legacy of generations and generations of um, children who grew up without fathers in their homes while they were staying in, 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 you know, in, in, in townships or close to the mines and working in the mines in places that were not family units mm. so that it kept the women, the women out and how that fractured the, the the family um, structure and left the burden of uh, child rearing and child care um, to 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 women and how that has been a legacy that we have um, inherited, but also um, uh, within movements, as you rightfully um, um, uh, put in. Um, the, the liberation movement themselves were male-dominated. And because during the TRC, we did not speak about the sexual abuses that women experienced 
uh, both as workers in the many homes where they worked in during apartheid, but also during the liberation struggle. It means that we are having a whole lot of stories that have been told and scars that have not healed and Mm -hmm. almost like a culture of secrecy that has condoned a particular sexual dominance over women of men where until recently, in fact, when a woman had been raped um, and and, and many women speak about rape as being a form of discipline, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those have not been spoken, uh, have not been um, uh, uh, spoken about. So that's that. That's one thing. Another thing where apartheid really was insidious in the way that it worked, it also then reinforced divide and rule by almost accentuating our differences as people. Mm-hmm. As you will know that the, you know, we, 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 we were, there was a project to make all of us be proud of our tribes. And it's already, um, you know, it's still entrenched, you know, yes. and, and, and sometimes as black people, we entrench it almost with pride, not understanding how it was an apartheid experiment mm-hmm. because we were in the majority. And if Africans had been united, um, we would have not taken the many years that we took to overthrow apartheid. Mm-hmm. But in this making it almost like We must be separate because we are different cultures and we are different people. It also then reinforced a particular form of patriarchy, which is not African culture. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the form of patriarchy that we saw in apartheid was reinforced by religion and mainly Christianity. So we, we, we bought hook, line and sinker. That, for an example, in African cultures, women don't make decisions. And we don't ask ourselves, which African cultures, which African history Mm. are we talking about? You know, and and we almost, because the only pride we could be given is either you are a Mutuana woman or you are a Zulu man. And we do not understand how apartheid, rather than reinforce our African-ness as a unity, or as a united force, reinforced our difference so that once we are proud of our difference, we are not able to combine. And in our difference took some aspects, some of the chiefs that exist somewhere, that is where there will be even contestation in traditional areas, where even chiefs that were put in place by the... apartheid government because the experiment was find what is different about them reinforce it in a very perverted way to be saying when you are Zulu you have nothing in common with a Musoto when you are a Musoto you've got nothing in in common with a Maklosa because how are you going to conquer and rule them if they are united in their Africanness. And and part of it is a patriarchy that says if you are a Zulu man, your positionality is 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 in a particular manner. Mm. And we have reinforced that and the way that we have reinforced that even ourselves as Africans use that and we call them our culture without problematizing. 
and interrogating where do these versions and forms of our culture come from? Come from. Asleb, I'd just like you to hold that thought. We're going to take a, a break and uh, we'll continue with this conversation. Stay with us. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. In light of this Reconciliation Day, we are looking at gender injustice and how we failed to address some of these issues at the dawn of democracy and those problems still haunt us today. And uh, in conversation with me is Auslebo uh, Ramafuku. She's a director of Tigano and also gender and GBV activist. Auslebo, just before um, the break, we were we were... Talking, you were talking about some of these, um, you know, ways of life that were entrenched by apartheid. In fact, they go back to colonialism that yes. we've taken up as our own culture without even knowing where where where, where these practices actually come from. Yes, and, and and I think that is a problem. And and as I said, they were reinforced by religion. Mm. So uh, when you look at theology, there is, um, uh, you know, a, a, a theology that said not only um, is this, you know, how the South African society is structured, but that is how God wants it to be structured. And, um, you know, we have imbibed that, you know, um, we, we, we glorify suffering, we, 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 we glorify unquestioning and not being critical, we glorify obedience, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and have externalized God to something outside of ourselves. And we have made dirty everything that is um, a woman. And in fact, one of the ways in which you see the gendered nature of 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 apartheid is how the black female body mm. became objectified but also vilified and um and 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 if you think that across the ages how black women have been treated as you know in terms of their bodies belonging to men first mm. before they belonged to themselves how it then became very very so, so you've got a system and this must be the most perverted system of all that basically takes the male away from the family and puts them in one room uh, animal-like dwellings Mm. in mining towns like Johannesburg so that they can provide cheap labor to, um, you know, the the, 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 the white uh, uh, mine uh, uh, owners. But it vilifies the woman for being single. And, and we imbibe that without really ourselves as a society, as a black society, understanding and appreciating the role of single black women mm-hmm. and black women who were not only single by choice, but women who systematically were made to be single. And therefore, we carry in ourselves, in our culture, in our practices, in our own ways, uh, without, by being a historical and a contextual, in other words, not understanding how these patterns uh, became, we start vilifying women, uh, you know, for being single when in fact they had a system 
that rendered many women single. And instead of, as a society, uh, protecting and, uh, and, 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 and understanding that not only were the wealth of the country, be, be, not only was the wealth of the country, was it built on the shoulders of black men mm-hmm. from Southern Africa, not only South Africa. We vilify women who stayed behind and tended for the, for the family. They have no place in society in terms of the role that they played. And we perpetuate this uh, viewing the woman body and the woman's sexuality in a dirty way, and we call it our culture, when in fact you just have to get into Lesotho and you look at their rites of passage, their music, and you really can see just how sexually liberated some of those cultures you know, some of those cultures were. And we come back and we repurpose this uh, conservativeness of controlling the woman's body, the woman's reproduction as an African thing, when in fact it was not an African thing, but black women were placed in those, in those, in, in, in those places. Mm-hmm. So the woman's body, the woman's sexual and reproductive agency became the one thing that was controlled systematically by the system that was there, and then black men became the police of um, uh, women's bodies, and we have then taken all of that, you know, and we have seen, you know, with how we have vilified women who own their own sexuality, how the woman's the black woman's sex and the black woman's body is something that is vilified by other black women. It's something that is vilified by black men. And the very kind of policing of black bodies that the apartheid government bestowed on black men, they took it just like that. They just changed the packaging. And it is what is being done to black women. And that is why right now, even when black women are experiencing rape, the first thing we want to know is what was she wearing, she wearing uh, yeah. who was she with, was she drunk, wasn't she drunk. It's almost as if the only time, you know, a rape becomes justifiable if there is anything like that is if a person is three months old. Mm-hmm. But when you are a woman that have owned your, 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 you know, your own sexuality and who you are, you are free, free reign. And if you think about it, apartheid exactly located the black body as an object and not as something that, you know, uh, 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 people have autonomy over. So the restrictions on our bodies that apartheid placed on black men, they just took it and placed it on black women and made it part of our culture, supported is, by religion, mm, especially Christianity. Mm, I actually need to to then get to a point where we were going through a, then a transition phase in 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 our country where you as as you said that if, you know for time in memorial the a woman's body more especially a black woman's body has been objectified and one of the ways in that women were exposed to were raped um and were were exposed to other acts of sexual and gender based violence and the fact that 
we had a process which was supposed to usher us into a new dispensation in the form of the TRC. And the fact that the TRC act itself, that the scope of sexual violence did not fall within its frame of reference. Did you, do you find that problematic? Well, I think it is problematic. And uh, I do know that Sheila Menkes and, and Beth Goldblatt um, you know, as part of the uh, Center for Applied Legal Studies that was based at at at, at, Vitz at some point, actually wanted um, uh, for the uh, terms of the uh, uh, commission to in to, to be gendered, mm. and in one way they achieved, um, you know. Um, making sure that women, um, you know, can give testimony and they can actually speak about the uh, the, uh, 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 abuse and sexual torture. However, you know, it was, as they also say in the article that I I, I recently read, that it was very limited. Mm. But but I guess the TRC was limited for a number of reasons. I want to broaden it. Um, uh, uh, beyond the TRC, and I want to look at political parties mm-hmm. that then, you know, like our ruling party, that then came back into the country and um, were at the negotiating table, particularly the ruling party, that to date they have not interrogated themselves and mm-hmm. held those accountable um, and allowed the women who were in the in the trenches, an opportunity to speak about what had happened. And that's another price Mm. that black women continue to to pay. You know, in our families, black women pay the price of staying with men who will go out there and have as many relationships as possible because the system, you know, of marriages and of families and the responsibility of keeping a family. And in this note, I'm talking about family in inverted commas. Mm. Even when a man is abusive or a man is cheating, has been placed at the door of women. So the woman that dares walk away until very recently has been greatly stigmatized. Mm. But you see that even happening in our political movements and in our organizations, where we still do not have a Me Too movement in political parties, where women can say, women and their children, by the way, and I think the the, the Zuma uh, 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 trial went as close as... You know, a young woman who had grown up in the movement, her mother had grown up in the movement, you know, went went closer to saying these are the experiences that happened. And these were experiences that happened post um, uh, liberation. Mm-hmm. And, and you could see how literally Sezeka um, uh, 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 was not closed down as Sezeka at that time. But that story was mm-hmm. closed down. She... You know, it, it was almost like a can was going to 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 open, but so many other people, you know, uh, both men and women, <laughs> uh, 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 were so 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 um, adamant that that story is not told, and it yes. remains so. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm saying the burden of 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 women paying the price of this false farce of unity continues because women are not even allowed the space in families, in political movements, you know, to basically uh, speak about
about their sexual abuses. Because how do I suffer next to a black man and we are fighting for liberation? And not only am I pointing to a white system and saying you have oppressed me, mm. but I'm now having to point at my black comrade and basically say you have oppressed me. me. It was the same thing that we saw happening in the Fees Must Fall movement, a movement where women at the beginning were at the at the at the forefront and the young activists will tell you how the the, the patriarchy within the system rose to silence black women's voices and again the weapon of choice was to use sexual violence, sexual manipulation to silence women. So we see the circles, mm. you know, over and over again repeating themselves. All right. Auslebo, um, we have a caller and it's Ben in Durban. Ben, good evening. Uh, good evening. Uh, um, hmm, what's your input? Uh, my input is, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, that the, la- the way the lady is... Uh, Talking. I don't know if it's just for talking to please people. When she says that uh, a woman has been raped and people start asking, what was she wearing? Was she drunk? Mm. You see, that analogy is the same as I, I also spoke to another guy in, uh, on, your, on the HFM. When I, I've got a vehicle, I leave it open and park it in CBD and the people vandalize it. And would I go around and say, no, no. I left my vehicle there. You guys don't don't steal anything from the car. This woman, the way she dresses, then whether she was drunk or not, no, not everyone. We are all. I mean, if people are rapists, people are doing criminals. Uh, uh, so they can do. They, in that state of mind, they can do anything. So we cannot say no, no, because as we are sober, we cannot ask her, why is she wearing like that. Why is she drunk? Now, when you are drunk, do you need to go and start walking in the middle of the night alone? Something is going to happen to you. Ben, ben, let me tell you something. Whether a woman is yeah. drunk or she's walking half naked or naked, no one has a right to her body. No one has yeah. a right yeah. to her body. Finish and okay. clar. Okay. That's, that's, not, that's not Sorry, an invitation. Yeah, I'm not saying the way she... What are you, you're, you're not listening to me. I'm, what I'm saying, the reality is things do happen in that system. It's the same as I'm leaving my vehicle. Somewhere it's going to be vandalized. Not knowing that criminals, <laughs> they are thieves, they to do it. Why should I do it? Why should I leave my vehicle? Park it there when I know that something is going to happen to it. So, Ausleba, uh, I don't know what, what, whether you heard Ben and you'd like to respond to me. I did. I mean, the fact that a grown man will call a radio station and, and speak in such uh, sexist and violent ways shows you the big problem that we have. Firstly, women are not objects. A car is an object. Exactly. So the fact that he is going to call and compare women to cars car. as if uh, men's penises just fall inside women and men don't have agency. That when a man sleeps with a woman who is drunk, uh, they are not responsible for their actions because the man is drunk, can only happen in a country that has normalized violence. The fact that he's not even calling himself anonymous shows you exactly what the extent of the problem is. And I'm sure there is a lot of bands who are listening to him, you know, um, uh, uh, right now. He actually proves what we are saying. Mm -hmm. So according to him, women ask to be raped because men do not have a right 
uh, or control of their sexual edges. Uh, I'm sure their penises fall into women's vaginas when they rape them and they don't know what they are doing. And, and as I say, it is exactly that violence that I am talking about, mm-hmm. that the responsibility of men's behavior is then given on to the woman. You know, you must have enticed him. You must have done this. Ben is saying what we are saying. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it, yeah. Okay. I listened and I'm like, I'm not surprised. Let's hear I'm from, not surprised. Let's this hear is from, why one is an mm, activist in yeah, the first place. Yeah. Let's hear from James in Bloemfontein. James, good evening. Uh, good evening. How are you? I'm well and you. Uh, you know, this is a, a very interesting topic. Um, but uh, I just wanted to to say some few things. Mm. Um, number one... Um, we have cultures and um, those cultures they give us the values of morals that's number one um, a person who raps he doesn't rape a woman because the woman is wearing short or the woman is drunk number one you must understand the state of the mind of that person that has raped you know it's either the guy is not in a good state no. or something is wrong with the person because there is no person who has five senses who go into somebody's house and rob. Then something is wrong somewhere. That's what I, I, I that's how I see things. Then secondary, what I can say is um, women they have the right to dress the way, the way they want to dress. But how we dress also gives us values, you understand? People, uh, there is something that you cannot change about people. My behavior, my dressing, how I communicate, I am judged by what I do, you see. So if, if, if the lady, as she's saying that women have the right, they can dress how they dress. Most of our people, as you can see, whatever they, they see on TV, you know, they just copy it and they start doing it, you know. And uh, if you look back, when we kept uh, the custodians and in our cultures uh, and, and, uh, and our morals, everything was okay. Even in those days, people were raped, but now it's waste, you know. Yeah, okay, That's what okay. I can say. Okay, Jim. Hey, Asla, we still have a long way to go, eh? We do. We have a long way I to mean, go. I, mean, I the, listen. The, and, the fact- you know, the only thing that I like is the fact that, um, um, you know, people are coming out of the, the, the closet. And, mm. and I say I like it in inverted commas because, um, you know, we often, like this, this gentleman who called, think that um, this uh, issues of rape um, is, is perpetuated by strangers out there. And I wish this guy could go into workshops with women and understand what is the definition of rape. And, you know, um, I've got a a, a colleague uh, that I respect very much, Matilo Mosei, who runs workshops with men on rape. And by the time he she finishes defining rape, uh, at the beginning of the workshop, people will, uh, she'll ask how many people have raped. And many will respond like the person who called right now. And they would say, no, it's only people who were not brought up properly uh, or, you know, are monsters or there's something wrong. But by the time she's finished with examining male behavior, many men will know how they coerced many women. 
some of them women that they are still married to into having sex, but they did not uh, define that as, as rape. And this is what we mean when we say something has become a pervasive social norm. And I'm not surprised when these topics come up, when men call, and in fact, in their call, their argument is that, you know, they've got all the answers to this and they know what is and what is wrong it, it really no longer surprises me mm. we have a couple of calls out level but i i need to wrap up now um where where are we as far as gender relations are concerned as a country and uh, how can we confront you know the root causes of gender injustice in this country Look, we are at a worrying place, uh, and I think what is worrying about it is not uh, only the fact that the, 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 the rate of gender-based violence is growing as, 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 as much, but it is also the lack of understanding of, of what needs to be done. I've witnessed during the 16 days some men who are well-known perpetrators of violence against women uh, taking the platform, getting funding, conducting so-called uh, dialogues and talking, when in fact we know that they still perpetuate gender-based uh, violence. And, and everybody's now on the bandwagon, you know. There was a time where people were denying and they were not on the bandwagon. We are seeing, I think for me, a worse incidents where every other man, you know, is out there, particularly well-known men, you know, trying to jump onto the bandwagon. So, so I think we are at a moment when we need to ask ourselves, what is the work that needs to be done to actually eradicate gender-based violence? And if men want to be in this and, and, and be part of, of the solution, what are the kind of ways in which they should be part of the, of the, of the, of the solution? Because we get, we, we risk diluting some of the gains um, um, uh, that were there. And as we have seen all over the globe, COVID has made it worse. Women, even in the hard lockdown, were locked down with the uh, abusers. And there's horror stories out there that we know of. And I'm sure there's many, many more that we will not know of. Because again, as I said, women bear the brunt of keeping families together by keeping quiet about their own abuse. Yeah. I thought I would wrap up right now, but we have a lot of people who are interested in this conversation, mainly men. So I, I, I'm going to ask that we keep you for a while. Let's okay. take Mike from Bloemfontein. Mike, good evening. Good evening. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I'm, trying, I'm going to try to be very much short. Okay, please. To spare time. Mm. Listen, we are going to pick each other, punch each other's face and all what we are going to do, or what we're going to get, we are going to die. And the most, most criminals in getting this GBV going on is the criminal justice system. When I say criminal justice system, I mean the police, I mean the Department of Prison, I mean the courts themselves and the public prosecution. Those are the people that's behind everything insofar as this GBV is concerned. They hide, hypocritically hide behind everything that is happening, like in my case. In okay. 2003... Mike, um, I, 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 I'm sorry, but we'll revisit this story again. We need to wrap up this conversation and I need to to get other people in and I, I will plead with Songhezo so that we have this conversation again so that you can tell your story. 
I'm sorry I have to cut you short. Okay, Hilton, um, we have Hilton from Katun, the Northern Cape. Hilton, good afternoon. I mean, good evening. Hi, Hilton. Okay, we seem to have lost him as well. Um, Auslebo, just your last parting shot about this issue. Can there be reconciliation without inequality, without equality? I think there cannot be um, reconciliation without reparations mm. and without women having a safe space to speak about their experiences and without atonement of some sort. And I think once that has happened and once really we have listened and we have asked how men can be allies in this fight in a very genuine manner without grandstanding, we will be able to win. I think there cannot be reconciliation without breaking down the structures that brought us where we are right now. We come from a violent past and our violence was gendered. And unless we recognize the gendered nature in which men and women experienced human rights abuses differently, we won't be able to address what many, many women went through. Thank you so much. Auslebo Ramofoko, Director Tekano. She's also a gender and GBV activist. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your insights with us. So much appreciated. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. All right. Oh, there's so many of your calls that we're coming in. There was just not enough time because we have to get into other conversations. That was quite heavy. Um, Gender-related issues and and abuse and sexual assault and rape and all these gender-based violence um, topics are always so heavy. But unfortunately, that's what we are faced with as, as, as South Africans. So let's take a break. And after that, we'll have some music and get into our next conversation.